This is Brandon Cooks, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us today, a repeat guest on the pod, one of our great friends. I think he's been. I think he's not just a pod repeat guest. He's he's, he's been on the Sirius XM show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also heard him, of course, on uh, Locked On Cowboys, Locked On Dynasty Foot. Is it Dynasty Fantasy? Yeah, football? yeah. Locked On Dynasty Football. Every day we uh, we do thirty minutes of dynasty content. So yeah, so you hear him there. He's Marcus Moser. You can also find him at the managing editor of the Raiders Wire. He's a writer at PFF. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he's, how he's found time to even come on the podcast today. Marcus, how the hell are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I always find time to talk to you. This is one of my favorite shows that I do every summer. So I'm ready to get into it. Well, it, it's a it's a good time to have you because you and I actually, uh, I was I was very pleased to see that you were in my uh, Scott Fishbowl division, the Longhorn mm-hmm. Steakhouse. So before we kind of preview a couple of training camps that we're going to try and get out to at Roster Watch and kind of see with our own two eyes here in the Cowboys and the Raiders, the teams that you cover most extensively. I just want to kind of talk to you about some of your Scott Fishbowl picks just for a general kind of redraft and season-long managed league sort of take on these players. And also, you know, if the clearly the structure of Scott Fishbowl and the and the um, interesting way that Scott Fish has put together the scoring it mm-hmm. has a big impact. So uh, that couldn't be more obvious than your first pick here at the 105. You take Lamar Jackson. So I think that's kind of kind of – Kind of chalky pick. I think that that's probably who I would pick if I were there too. But how do you see Jackson's outlook this year? What do you think? Uh, do, you think do you think the Todd Monken influence is going to have um, big ramifications I, I, for the offense? Like, what's your LJ kind of story? I, I do. So first of all, in the Scott Fishbowl, you have to draft like you're going to be right on every one of these players. Because in a tournament this big, there's no sense of just trying to get conservative picks, guys with high floors. I want the guys that – Every week can finish at the top of the position, at least in the first couple of rounds. And we know that with Lamar, right? Like it wouldn't shock us if he finished as the QB one in six of the 17 weeks this season. Like mm-hmm. he just has that kind of upside yeah. now that he's going to be in a faster paced offense with like actual NFL receivers. Like, I don't care what you think of Odell Beckham and Zay flowers and Rashad Bateman. Like that's just so much better than what they had last year. I think there's a chance that he could be, 4,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, and 40 touchdowns this year. I I know it's chalky, but at pick five, I, I was thrilled that he was there. At the 208, you take Jonathan Taylor. That's actually um, prior. So Jonathan Taylor goes before Saquon Barkley, goes before Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. goes before Tony Pollard. Um, I, I'm curious as to, you know, are you not scared at all that Anthony Richardson is going to take over some of the rushing there? Maybe the, the offense loses – a little bit of efficiency and yep. um, opportunities down near the goal line. I'll actually pair my next two picks together because it's Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs. And in a league like this where, you know, touches are so valuable, getting two of the best running backs in the league, the guys that have finished, what, 2021, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing yards. Uh, sorry, in 2022 and 2021, it was yep. Jonathan Taylor. Yep. 
These guys just have the potential to be 2,000 yards every year. They're in run-first offenses. Yes, the teams aren't very good, but you just can't pass up that type of value at the end of round two and the end of round three. I was thrilled. I I still think Jonathan Taylor has a a great chance to be the number one running back in the league because we just saw that a year ago. If he can just stay healthy, he'll be fine. Are you not high at all on Chubb? Are you like? No, I, 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 that was, listen, it was very difficult. I think between Taylor, Chubb, and Jacobs, those are three running backs on run first teams that are going to be very efficient. The only, the reason I went with Taylor is he's a little bit younger. Uh, I kind of like this Anthony Richardson can help him in the run game a little bit, but it was very close. Okay. Um, and I'll be, I'll be interested to hear why I've, I've been wanting to include Tony Pollard in that sort of tier, mm-hmm. I, I, a very interesting omission from you. And, and we'll talk, we'll get more to Pollard here in a second. When we talk Cowboys, um, Chris Olave with your fourth pick. I mean, I don't think it takes much explanation around here to, <laughs> to explain the Chris Olave. Very good. <laughs> there in there in the fourth round. And then you wrap around in the fifth round. You take T Higgins, who looks to me like a good dude. T Higgins went after DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you must have, you saw DJ Moore peel yep. off. And you just said, you, you're, you're going to take a wide receiver here and you didn't take my guy T. You must have felt like a million bucks, dude. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, T Higgins was a little bit banged up last year. Still was absolutely phenomenal going into a contract season, right? This is year four for him. Healthy Joe Burrow. I expect him to be, you know, 1100 yards, double digit touchdown potential. You're getting that guy, you know, in round five. It's unreal. Drake London here. So no, um, I mean, uh, no real, no tight, no tight ends yet. For That's because you, you took them all. You took Kyle Pitts and George <laughs> Kittle in back-to-back picks. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and then you go with and, and another Indianapolis Colt here, uh, Michael Pittman. So, those two guys, obviously players that, you know, if you take the bull case with them, the bull case is through the roof with, with both those guys, mm-hmm. Drake London specifically. Um, what was your read on Desmond Ritter? How did you view him coming out? And is he a player who you feel like has the organizational buy-in to, you know, where they're really going to let him in there to really have a clear runway for a, for a uh, solid chance at this thing? Yeah, I think he can support a wide receiver like Drake London. And we even saw it last year, like in the final four games of the year, Drake London London averaged almost 90 receiving yards a game. I just don't think he's going to be the type of quarterback that adds value to a a Drake London or a Kyle Pitt. So I think he's fine. I think he could be a Ryan Tannehill type of player in the league, right? Somewhere between that 13th to 17th quarterback, but is competent enough to get the ball to his playmakers. I think he's fine. And I, I've been taking London, way higher than wide receiver 20 in all, a lot of the drafts I've done so far, what we saw from him at the end of the year. Now he's going into year two. Now he's you know a full year removed from that foot injury. I, I would not be surprised at all. If he's 1100, 1200 yards, double digit touchdowns. Hey, completely off the, off the topics that we just, I mean, I guess we, we, we didn't have a show sheet, so I can't say completely off the show sheet, but completely off the topics that, a guy like Marcus, you don't you don't need a show sheet. I'll be like, hey man, I'm going to talk Scott Fishbowl. We'll talk Cowboys. We'll talk Raiders. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get the hell out. Um, but completely off of any of those subjects, you mentioned that you had Drake London. You know, you've taken him inside the top twenty before. Mm-hmm. Just completely out of the blue here. Um, how do you rank him now vis-a-vis DeAndre Hopkins now that he's signed with 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 Tennessee? Uh, if this thing would have taken place back then, I'm I'm having a little bit of trouble reconciling this. Um, you know, Drake London, Christian Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, uh, this type of tier. Yeah. I, I don't 
think I want him up in the Amari Cooper, D Metcalf, no. kind of T Higgins, where to kind of crest out there. But maybe in that next tier is where I'm sort of thinking. You mentioned wide receiver 20. That's kind of what I was playing with right there around 20. How do you see DeAndre Hopkins vis-a-vis a guy like Drake London right now? And do you, I, I, I don't think do you it's think DeAndre belongs in, like in that tier no, at all. No, not at all. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is still going to be a good player. I think he's going to age better than some of the other Titans receivers that we've seen kind of roll through there the oh, last God. decade, right? The Randy yeah. Moss, Andre Johnson. I Julio forgot the Randy Moss. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think his game is going to be better than that. However, there's still some concerning signs. You look at his yards after the catch per reception. They have dropped in five straight years. He's averaging only 11 yards per catch in each of the last three years. He's a volume play on an offense that I don't know is going to have a lot of volume to the receiver. So I think he still can get you six for 65 in any given week. But when you're drafting this guy at wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21, you want to chase some more upside. And that's why, like for me, Drake London and Christian Watson are the guys that I'm targeting there because we don't know the ceiling for either of those players yet. We do know what DeAndre Hopkins is, and he's just not going to be, you know, uh, I, I don't even know if he's going to be a mid-level wide receiver two for you anymore. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad that we have a voice of sanity on the podcast and I'm out here with a disgusting trash, man. Feels so good to have, not have that guy on the show. Um, all right, uh, <laughs> Marcus, and just one last one I want to talk to you about. You took Bryce Young. I, I feel like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills by saying that I love Bryce Young as a quarterback, <laughs> quarterback too, and super flex. And people talk to me like that's so weak. I'm just I'm like, well, I'm, he's going to be this as long as he stays healthy. He's he's going to be the starter for the whole entire season. There, there's no way that they're going to bench mm-hmm. this dude. Um, we we saw that he's got some he's got some weapons that at least feel you know, somewhat reliable. I, I don't think that any one piece in his receiving core um, is, is one that you're going to ride home about, but it feels like the cumulative pieces around him are kind of, kind of good. I mean, what DJ Chark, Mingo, Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders to kind of be competent, junior, right? right? Competent talent. Yeah, around. I mean, Hayden Hurst, who's been a, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a former first round pick. I mean, mm-hmm. but like, so to me, it's always been like, you know, if they're going to commit to him organizationally and, and he runs a very, very little risk of getting benched and he's really an awesome player. Like, mm-hmm. so to me, it's like, I, I, I like the pick here. Like what's your read on Bryce Young? Yeah, I, I think Bryce Young is a fantastic QB two option in your super flex leagues in the Scott fishbowl. I got him as QB 24. So that means he's barely a QB two. But you like you nailed it. There's no chance of him getting benched. The weapons around him are not great, but they are fine. And it just feels like Carolina is going to give him the keys to this offense. And they're going to run everything through him. They know that that's their best chance of success. So I think you're going to see Frank Wright and that coaching staff just give him the keys and let him go. And if he has to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game and kind of learn that way, I think they're comfortable doing that. And and and, and here's the thing: he he can. And, yes, and he can. can process it. He, like he's 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 very good. He, he's very good at playing quarterback. You can say he's short. You can say all the rest. But I mean, you just watch him. He's he's very good at playing the. It, playing. it feels like they're gonna just want him to get the lumps out of the way early, and then hopefully by the second half of the season, that's when they can really get into their offense. You want to win your fantasy draft? No, I mean, like really, do you really, really, really want to win your fantasy draft? Because you can win your fantasy draft with the RosterWatch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet, available at RosterWatch.com. It's the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever, and it's the only tool you'll need this draft season. 
You've heard Roster Watch live on Sirius XM Radio here on the podcasts from all the NFL training camps. Now all you have to do is follow the three simple rules at the top of the sheet of paper using the Roster Watch cheat sheet. That's it. Three rules. An extra quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet. You can't afford to draft without it. It's available now and only at rosterwatch.com. Let's talk about the Cowboys first. Um, first off, what what do you make? And I'm sure you've talked about. I'm sure you've talked about this on your pod. I mean, you have to come up with content for this pod every day. I'm sure mm-hmm. that. Um, what do you make of the philosophical divide? This dichotomy with with the the head coach saying we're gonna. I mean, he's saying stuff like we're going to run the football even whenever the other team knows we're going to run the damn football. You know, it's, mm-hmm. he's, like he's talking boomer ball, right? The, I'm not sure the team looks like it's built for this right now. The offensive line is not quite as strong as it was. I don't know. what. Maybe you could tell me what they're going to be getting out of run blocking out of some of these newer tight ends. Um, I, Pollard, is he built to hold up like to be just a – I mean, is he going to be a battering ram? What does that mean for Pollard? And then, I mean, there was, you bring in Brandon Cooks and you do this other stuff mm-hmm. and you got guys back healthy. And are they really going to run so much? It, it feels like there's a disconnect. Like, have, have, have you noticed that? And then how, how do you make nuts and bolts of it? This is my public service announcement to everybody regarding Mike McCarthy. What he says in press conferences and in media sessions is never true. Go back to his Green Bay days when he had Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 50 times a game. He was always getting up in front of the media and saying, we need to run the ball more. We need to be more balanced. And they were the most pass-happy team in the league for about seven years. They were number one in passing rate on first down. Mike McCarthy's bread and butter is throwing the ball. He says this just to be the kind of coach that, you know, the typical stereotypical coach, hey, we want to be balanced. We want to run the ball. When push comes to shove, he's going to want to throw the ball. I don't think anything changes. You look at their offense. They've got CeeDee Lamb, who's a top 10 receiver. They traded for Brandon Cooks. They're paying Michael Gallup. They've got a running back that's really good in the receiving game in Tony Pollard and an offensive line that's built to be pass protectors. So they're going to throw the ball a ton. They were number five in run rate last year. It's not like they can really go up a lot more anyway. So I think people worrying about them being a boomer ball team is just out of whack. Okay, so if you mentioned the offensive line, so can we just can we just talk about that real quick and just just so we're on the same page? Are we talking about so on left tackle? Uh, we're talking Tyron Smith, Correct. right? I think um, that's what it's going to be: Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, left guard. who played all left tackle last year. Biotis still there? Yep, Biotis at center, Terrence Steele at right tackle, assuming he's healthy, and then Zach Martin at right guard. It's not a top five offensive line. It's still line good. Lead, but it's, it's very good. good. Yes. It's yes. Like, depending on depending on whether uh, – I mean, Tyler Smith looked like a guy who could you – know, He can from, play. From my eyes, I'd, I'd like to see what PFF or anybody did, – Did PFF had him rate, rated pretty well last yeah, year? Yeah, and in I fact, on, over the last five weeks of the season, he was their number two graded offensive lineman. So by the end of the year, he was absolutely I thought I remember fantastic. hearing something like that. Yeah, yep. yeah. All right. So, I mean, if he can take another step, it's like all of a sudden you're – I mean, it's like it's not a – Okay, so it's not a bad offensive line. You like it better for pass protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, as far as it going to be, is is it is it Cooks on the Cooks and Gallup on the outside, and Lamb uh, will primarily more back out of the slot? Yeah, and do I you think like that? 
yeah, they're going to move these guys around a lot. But I think for the most part, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb in the slot, Gallup as the X, and then Brandon Cooks is the guy. They move around the formation a lot. But if you're worried about CeeDee Lamb, don't be. He is still going to get fed in this offense. I expect Brandon Cooks to be the second leading receiver. And then Gallup is just going to be one of these guys that, you know, you play him as a flex every single week. He gets you a couple targets. Uh, and a lot of his targets are going to be down the field with that big A dot. Pretty good weapons, though, at receiver for the Cowboys. Is the is is the number one tight end Jake Ferguson? I've beats me. I have no idea. This is <laughs> okay. I don't think they know yet. Honestly, yeah. I, I don't think they're gonna know until they get to the season. And honestly, it, it might just be depending on the week. I think Jake Ferguson is a better receiver than a Luke Schoonemaker, but Schoonemaker is the better blocker. Peyton Hendershot gives them a little bit of versatility. I it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a different tight end every week. Is it, it, all right, so you think that that could be a committee thing, but if you were having to put your chip down on one that could emerge, would it be Ferguson or would it be Hendershot? Or I, I would pick Ferguson just because I think we did see some flashes of him being able to make some plays after the catch last year. And he's the healthiest. Looks going to make her already banged up, had multiple injuries during mini camp. I think Ferguson is probably the favorite to win that job. Do you, and finally on the Cowboys, one more thing. Do you anticipate them bringing in another runner besides just having a Ronald Jones? Was it Ronald Jones, Malik Davis? Like, is, um, and then, oh, Deuce Vaughn. Do you, do you envision them like, could there be anything to the people have this irrational worry that they're just going to bring back Zeke Elliott at some point. Uh, is that something that you could see? I think things would have to go terribly wrong for them to bring back Zeke. Like they would need to have Pollard either not be healthy or Ronald Jones be a complete bust. I think I could potentially see it. Like if they get to the mid point of the season and Zeke is still a free agent and they need a guy, but I think they've kind of moved on. I think they just want to be a little bit more explosive there. I, well, all right. So what if I substituted the name Zeke with like Leonard Fournette? Like just I like, could, like I could see Hunt that. or something yeah. like just if well, one of these other guys. The reason why I don't think the Zeke part of it makes sense is I think there's still this pride thing with Ezekiel Elliott. They don't want to demote him to being a complimentary player or a backup. But if you bring in a Leonard Fournette just to be the, the hammer and get seven touches, all of them in short yardage, I could see that. I think that's more likely. Okay. Well, do you, do you, but do you think it's likely or do you think it's more no. likely? Okay. No, no I, so. I think what they're more likely to do is have Pollard in this role of like 17 total touches a game. Oh, baby. Really? And, okay. Yeah. And, and, just and, keep it like that. Yeah, and then try to kind of cobble together the other, let's say, 10 touches in the backfield, whether that's a couple of receptions for Deuce Vaughn. Maybe that's Malik Davis. And if it's none of those guys, maybe that's when they kind of scour the waiver wire. But I would be shocked if it's a big-name, former first-round pick running back or anything like that. Oh, God, I'd I, I love to hear it for Pollard. Just, mm-hmm. just, just, just amazing. Um, okay, let's move on to the Raiders. We know Josh Jacobs didn't get his deal. No, none of these running backs are going to get their deals. Just spoiler alert. Spoiler, when yeah. it get when it gets to this time next year, and we have in the this conversation, percolates back up to the front of every percolates back up to the front of everybody's minds, and they say running backs aren't getting paid enough money, and we're not going to let the free market do its job, and we we need to we need to we need to set this up to where if they get a certain number of yards, then they needed a certain amount of the cap, or like it's not going to happen. It's nope. never going to happen. <laughs> the markets dictate themselves, and these guys aren't going to get signed to mm-hmm. long-term deals anymore. So Josh Jacobs now, everybody's up in a hissy about it. He's in a hissy, and he's. do you think he's not going to play until week – I mean, do you think he'll sit out this whole stuff and even miss week one? Because that's something we have to take into our projection if, if, if we think it's going to be true. 
I just don't think it makes sense for these running backs to sit out. Like if Josh Jacobs decides to sit out a game or the whole season, it's not going to help his value at all. You know, what's going to help his value is playing and playing well, right? If he has another one of these seasons where he's 2000 total yards, double digit touchdowns, I won't be surprised if the Raiders franchise tag him again, or if somebody gives him another big one year deal. Uh, so I, maybe something like Mixon just got, maybe at least like something like Mixon yeah, just got yes, two yes. years, maybe even a little bit more, just say like two years, 6.9, 7 million each, you know, and that feels like, that feels like a pretty, you know, it feels like some good security for a running back. Yeah. Right and now. I wouldn't even be surprised if the number goes up a little bit. Maybe it's like two years, 18 million with 12 years guaranteed. But I think if you're, if you're Josh Jacobs, you still have got to play this year, play well. You're getting $10 million guaranteed regardless right. of what happens. Right. I think he'll be there in week one. However, I don't expect him to be at training camp at all. I don't expect him to play in the preseason at all. And this might even come down to like Labor Day weekend before he reports. So it, I think he's going to be fine. You're going to see his ADP drop, though, over the next month. I'm, I'm gobbling him up. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. That, 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 that'll feel like an artificial drop to me. Mm-hmm. What about – this is something that I can only ask Marcus and maybe – Two things regarding Hunter Renfro. One, he it's a terrible contract. Um, it's clear that they would probably like to get that contract off the books and get rid of him considering they brought in Jacoby Myers, who played over two-thirds of his snaps out of the slot in the role that Josh McDaniels certainly envisions him in. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine you bring in Jacoby Myers to play him outside when you look at the efficiency numbers outside versus in the slot. Um, they also They also drafted – they drafted Trey Tucker, who I remember. Dude, I mean, I've never seen him play not out of the slot when you watch him, right? Mm-hmm. Like in college, how are they going to do? How are the, what? How are they envisioning all this, all this stuff coming together with you know with with you know Devontae? I mean, clearly Devontae will be on the outside. How does the how does the personnel groupings look for this for these for these skilled pass catchers? It does feel like Hunter Renfro has a great chance of being moved before the year. It's just where, like, where does he wind up? Which team does he land with? I don't know. The the contract actually isn't too bad for the team acquiring him. I think they'd only have to pay him like 6 million or something this year because uh, of a roster bonus that he got this year. But I also don't think the Raiders are going to move on off of him for nothing. Like I think they still view him as an asset. He is a good player. Like whenever he plays, he is very productive, uh, but as to finding ways to get all three on the field, I, I have no idea. I think they're going to have to be creative. Josh McDaniels has used two slot receivers uh, at the same time before. We've seen him before in New England with Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman playing at the same time. I don't know if that's the plan here with the Raiders uh, because they have so many other receivers on this team, uh, but it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Who is the other outside receiver besides Devontae Adams? I mean, are we talking like Keelan Cole or something? Uh, well, Keelan Cole was on and off the roster all year last year. I think it's <laughs> I think it's going to be Philip Dorsett, and then I think mm-hmm. Trey Tucker is going to be the guy that kind of backs them up. I What I think they want to have happen is I think they want that other outside receiver to be somebody who's just fast and can kind of open up things underneath for Myers, Adams, and then the run game. I don't expect the other outside receiver to be – anything i mean that that player is just not going to be involved in the passing game very much other than just running verticals all day long getting some good cardio in 
He is Marcus Mosier. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can find his content at Locked On Cowboys, Locked On Dynasty, as far as the podcasts. He's also the managing editor at the Raiders Wire and a writer at PFF, a great friend of Roster Watch. Uh, we ask Roster Watch Nation to please mobilize, unite, go give Marcus a follow on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher so you can keep up to date with everything he's doing. Marcus, before I get you out of here, I got to ask one question. I feel like this is the one that hopefully you can provide the most insight on because out of everything we've talked about is probably the most important for fantasy. And that's about Devonte Adams. Is he a malcontent uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, this, you know, he complained about the offense saying he, he wasn't sure he was on board with the direction the offense was going. It feels like that news has gotten a little bit stale. Um, I haven't really heard anything new about that since that original quote came out in May. And it felt like he might've, sort of walked a little bit of it back on some various podcasts appear I think on Tyreek Hill's podcast mm-hmm. and explain himself or something. I forgot exactly what it was, but um, where is everything now with Devonte Adams and how do you see the interplay of Devonte Adams, Jimmy Garoppolo and any feelings that it seemed like Devonte Adams might've had at least coming in to the voluntary portions of OTAs in May Um about how the about how Garoppolo might affect the offense and about how that might affect him and just your thoughts on Devontae Adams because I will say this be, before I let you answer the um, the betting markets do, still love Devontae Adams as far as his receiving yards like they don't care you know people are getting a little bit goosey about him but the fact of the matter is if you, if you look at the props underdog prize picks DraftKings he's like fourth in receiving yards and all these mm-hmm. things and people are taking a lot of other players ahead of him. It's because he's really good at football. Like that's that's the main thing. It really doesn't matter who his quarterback is. You saw last year, like two of his biggest games of the season came with Jared Stidham as the quarterback. That's but a good point, man. Yeah, he, he's pretty quarterback proof. But I will say, he was pretty bummed when the Raiders moved on from Derek Carr. One of the reasons why he wanted to come to Las Vegas was to play with Derek Carr. He only got to do it for 15 games last year, uh, and now they're moving on to a different quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who has historically not been very good at throwing the ball on the outside. He's more of a between-the-hashes type of quarterback. I think Adams is a little frustrated, but he's not going to be a malcontent. He's just not built like that. I I I think he's going to give this organization and this offense some time to grow, um, even if he's maybe a little bit unhappy with the direction. But I can guarantee you he's not going to be causing a problem in the locker room. He's not going to be demanding a trade during the season. I don't think you have to worry about anything like that. Do you have, but do you do you do you have to worry about a nominal dip in production? I think not because of him, only because of Garoppolo. I think they want to still be a balanced offense, but maybe one that throws the ball more over the middle of the field. They signed Jacoby Myers because he's one of the best slot receivers in the league. They drafted Michael Mayer. They traded up for Michael Mayer because he's one of the best short to intermediate tight ends in this class. I do wonder, like, are we going to see? Devontae Adams' A dot just dramatically dropped this year because he was really good at making plays down the field last season. 